Well, there's many facets to Bitcoin adoption, right? And you could argue Bitcoin adoption as an asset is going, uh, you know, ha- has its track. And then Bitcoin adoption as a monetary instrument to settle transactions has its own track. Um, the network has its own track. The community has its own track. So it's a very complex thing. Like you said, it's very hard to convey. Welcome to episode four of the Block Reward podcast. Our guest today is Dom Bay. Dom's a firefighter from California and someone who has gained notoriety in the Bitcoin space because he personally convinced his own pension to start investing in Bitcoin. And since that time, he's gone on a personal crusade to help other pensions do the same. So Dom's a unique person in that he has personal experience having navigated pension plans through this process. So he understands the ins and outs of what members might be thinking about or concerned about, the operational part of what, um, how Bitcoin is, is custodied or what the investment strategy might actually look like and what the concerns or the process of approval from a pension plan decision-making body might, might look like. And, and this is kind of things that we cover off in the conversation. This is a topic that's near and dear to me because this is part of the work that we're doing with Block Rewards in Canada. I want to help Canadian employers clarify the roadmap for investing in pensions in Canada. And so I hope you enjoy. It's a great conversation. And uh, here we go. All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of The Block Reward. My guest today is Dom Bay. And Dom is a virulent proponent of including Bitcoin in pension plans. And he's had a lot of success working with a number of different uh firefighter organizations in the u.s and uh so welcome dom scott thanks thanks for having me man excited to be on right on our podcast is geared for people that aren't uh, super hardcore into bitcoin so maybe if you could just start off today by telling us a little bit more about yourself and and how you started with bitcoin yeah so <clears throat> i will give a little background on myself and I'll, I'll hit you my three I have a three-phase Bitcoin kind of uh, exposure story, which is probably similar to a lot of people's. Um, very brief background on me. I was born and raised in the Bay Area. Um, I live in Los Angeles area now. I'm a firefighter, 14 years on the job. Um, my first exposure to Bitcoin, uh, I was living with roommates at the time, and I think it was just hired by the fire department. So this must have been like 2010 or 11. And I just learned about stocks and, and, you know, very minimal financial education for me growing up, uh, like most people. And I learned about stocks. I was getting into stocks and I bought like, I think it was Sprint. And I walk out of my room and I go to my roommate, I go, dude, that's it. I'm about to be a millionaire, man. I just got Sprint. Trust me, this thing's undervalued. You don't even know. I'm looking at the company metrics. And I think I bought like a small amount at the time, like, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 in Sprint. And my roommate goes, hey, how much did you just invest? And I go, I don't know, like 3,000, 4,000. He goes, he goes, hey, if I were you, I would just take what you just invested in Sprint, sell it and buy this thing called Bitcoin. And I was like, what's Bitcoin? And he's like, I don't even know. I can't even tell you. I just know like people are talking about it on this thing I'm on. And I go well, what is it? He's like, I said, I don't know. It's like some digital currency, but it's 
you know, it's massive. And I said, are you going to invest in it? And he's like, no, I have no money. I, I have like too many uh, student loans. Um, and so that was in 2010. And that was when Bitcoin was, I want to say like under 10 bucks. So that was my first, first miss. Um, 2017, I worked a conference um, and I kind of was exposed to Bitcoin and learned and really got a chance to talk about um, Bitcoin. And, and it was it wasn't a Bitcoin exclusive conference. There was all kinds of blockchains there. I think it might. There's some Ethereum folks there. And I just got to talk to people that were really into Bitcoin and Ethereum. And, and I really was overtaken by one thing. And that was the commitment of the people I was talking to. You know, when you're talking to people um, and they are so committed, it really shines through everything they're saying. And that that's very like, it was very visible to me. And so that kind of kicked off like, whoa, I have to figure out like what this is. Um, and so I got involved, did some investing. That was like my first, you know exposure in 2017, but I was very passive, just, just more like holding, um, fast forward to phase three for me and my Bitcoin story. Um, fate may have it that, you know, I was working and I went on a 911 call and ended up going on a, uh, Bitcoin analyst that worked for Swan and he had dove in the water and hurt his neck and we went on the call and we basically kind of like worked with him to get him to the hospital thinking like, maybe this is a little overkill, you know, but we always play it safe. Turned out he broke his neck in three spots and going to the hospital prevented him from being paralyzed. And so naturally, you know, that was around Pacific last year. Then when I was days later after that incident had happened, we learned that he was going to be okay. It was a real feel good story that he had a good, um, you know, turnout of events. And I really engaged more with the Bitcoin community and started like really asking myself as I was hitting this, um, kind of the, the tail end of, of 10 years as a union representative for my union, I was kind of, that was, I was getting ready to phase that out after a long 10 years, really enjoyed it, but kind of like thinking like what next, it became very clear to me that, um, Bitcoin and work with unions and workers and pension funds was my mission. And that kind of started those, that path started opening up and, and I started realizing that I needed to become a more active participant in the Bitcoin community. So that's my, my Bitcoin story. Cool. So you're on a mission. I love your mission. That's why I wanted to come on today. And like, can you tell, can you tell me a little bit about, um, what is it about Bitcoin that you feel is makes it so, so something that, uh, pensions particularly need to really be thinking about and understanding better? Yeah. So Scott, I know the show is, um, especially, you know, um, catering to people that are just learning about Bitcoin, some, and, and maybe some that don't know the, the technical details, but most simply put, for most of us Bitcoiners, we learned about this incredible innovation that was digital money. And we can get into the details of all the, the you know, how that works. But the breakthrough of being able to send money that can be verified without a central entity 
um, that is basically decentralized and verified by a decentralized network and forms this digital network is why we think it's so valuable and important. Um, it's not the whole story, but it's the, you know, the key, one of the key points that brought us to really value Bitcoin. Um, then of course you get into Bitcoin as an asset. Um, and the fact that there's a limited supply that, you know, it can't be tampered with. And I think the 07, 08 financial crisis was a defining moment for many of us that are familiar with pensions and workers and trading time for money and, and the value of money, because um, for those that follow pensions, pensions took a huge hit um, in that they, they, they weren't on the front end, right? They didn't get the memo with everyone else, like reposition your stuff here so you don't take huge hits in your portfolios. There are many pensions today getting bailed out with money from American Rescue um, Act funds that never recovered from 0708. So a big thing about Bitcoin that that brought me um, to to understand um, the value of it was that it's outside of this this legacy finance system that brought that pain to pensions, and so. I think it's very important for workers, pension funds, unions, um, other organizations, membership-based organizations to find Bitcoin and how it can serve them because it's very much something that is outside of the system that brought them a lot of heartache over the last decade and could bring heartache uh, again in the future. There's a, there's a lot to a lot to like pull apart there. So I, I want to just kind of come back to a few different things you said there, and I'm gonna kind of paraphrase. And I think I, I think I got what you're saying, but one of the things I run into in helping people, you know, Bitcoin is is a bit of an abstract thing, and part of it is this issue of is it an investment? Is it a currency? Is it a commodity? You know, can it, can something be more than one of those things? How is this an investment? And you mentioned that, you know, kind of the what's exciting about it for you is the idea of it, it's a money that people can can use in a different way, exchange online, it's decentralized, but that it also has this limited supply. So the idea, I guess, is an investment, and, and this is where I'm, is that it's something that is has a really valuable function. It's something that everybody has a use for, possibly. And because there's a finite supply of it, as the use of that, the need for it grows, the price appreciates. And that's why it has attractive possibility as a traditional investment. Is that, have I? Yeah, you nailed it, 100%. Cool. So then when you're, uh, the challenge, I guess, when you're trying to explain to people, um, this uh why why people are going to want to use this money that's different you know like it's how how can you how how do you uh help people like when people haven't used bitcoin before um you know the money today in terms of like using money other than the the problem that the price of everything goes up so your money doesn't work that well in terms of like how much stuff it buys um it does work when you're going to pay with a card at a at a liquor store or whatever you know, money works. So how do you explain for people like these, these kind of abstract features of money doing things better that it doesn't do now? 
Yeah, it it's it's tough because like you said previously, Bitcoin is so many things packed into one. It's not one facet that's multifaceted. And and a lot of times, even us as Bitcoiners, we talk about when you say the term, I think Bitcoin adoption is going well. Well, there's many facets to Bitcoin adoption, right? And you could argue Bitcoin adoption as an asset is going, uh, you know, has its track. And then Bitcoin adoption as a monetary instrument to settle transactions has its own track. Um, the network has its own track. The community has its own track. So it's a very complex thing. Like you said, it's very hard to convey. I found in talking to a lot of unions, a lot of questions come up. And uh, what I try to do, and I'm sure you do the same, is like, I don't, just because I disagree with something that comes up, I don't try to dismiss it or get kind of frustrated with it. And, and let me give you an example to put this into context of like, uh, a conversation I had recently with the union. I was talking to a group and we were talking about Bitcoin as a savings mechanism, the intent to save money that holds value over time. So your listeners probably know about inflation and they understand that, you know, if I just put, if I save $30 for 10 years, that $30 without a doubt will not have the purchasing power it does right now. We know that. But a lot of people have a hard time with the price mechanism of Bitcoin because it's an asset that's measured in dollars. They look at the loss and gains um, and they can't, they can't really get on board as a savings mechanism. And the example is I was at a union and we were talking about the value of Bitcoin to save money and protect your purchasing power. And he said, well, hey, wait a minute. If I save, you know, $1,000 in Bitcoin, it may lose its value. But if I put $1,000 under my bed in cash, I'm going to have $1,000 in cash. And, and at first you want to go, well, do, you know, what about inflation? That's not exactly, but, but that person is correct, 100%. If it's dollars that they want, if they save $1,000, they will have $1,000. Absent a fire or getting stolen or something like that, they have that. But for us who believe that Bitcoin is the future of money and, and it is the, the standard of digital money, you know, explaining to that person, okay, let's think a bit of it like this. If I save $30,000 cash in 09, I would have the equivalent of a Toyota Tacoma truck. And if I fast forward to that, that $30,000 in 2022, I don't have a truck. I don't have access to a truck, that same truck. I can't buy that truck because the Tacoma is now $45,000, $50,000. So as far as things are concerned, I don't have the thing that I wanted. If I was said, oh, I'll, I'll keep this to buy that. If I had saved in Bitcoin, yeah, the, the dollar amount may fluctuate, but I still do have the same amount of Bitcoin, if I bought 30,000 in Bitcoin in a certain year, I have that amount of Bitcoin. Just because it's worth a certain amount of dollars doesn't matter. What us as Bitcoiners are telling people is that Bitcoin, if you zoom out, the desire for it and the value of it is going up and it has gone up consistently over since its inception. And so trying to get people to think about it like, if I hold one Bitcoin, what I'm telling you is that that one Bitcoin is going to be more desired as time goes on than that one 
you know, hundred thousand dollars or $10,000. And so it's hard to get people to think about it because they're based in a dollar system. But those are the kind of conversations that, you know, we have all the time. And I think you just got to talk through it with people and don't say I'm right and you're wrong, but just think about it differently and let them think about Bitcoin differently and come to that on their own. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Like by any measure uh, in the lifetime that Bitcoin has existed, it's been the best performing investment by far of anything. And in spite of that, what people, I, you know, the, the two things I find people, you know, it comes up a lot for me is one, the everyone's aware of the possibility of a big price correction. So, yeah, like Bitcoin will go up, um, you know, 30,000 percent over 10 years. But if it if it goes down 200 percent in, in a year, it, it, you know, every four years, one of the four years is going to be a bad year. This is kind of the way the way it works. And uh those one bad year every time seems to just recycle everyone and make them ignore like the, the rest of the performance history, which has been really uh, astonishing. And the, the other one is it's like, you know, these price drops tend to give people outsiders the impression that the entire thing could go up and smoke tomorrow. Even though, you know, like, you know, like, so we're recording at the start of September now and, uh, you know, the price is whatever the price is the price, but it's, it's, uh, we're still, we're still quite, a, quite a ways down from the, the all time high that happened two years ago. Um, but it's, it's a lot higher than zero. Like we're, we're, you know, so, so those are the two things I, I find come up a lot is, uh, yes, it does go down. It doesn't only go up and to, um, People are worried about the possibility that this thing might cease to exist and uh, without kind of understanding. And these, this where, you know, the, the, how deep of a dive it is to, to see how, you know, big the industry is as a whole, uh, the resources that have been dedicated to mining and how big that, that computing network is. And that's, that's a different uh, conversation, but I wanted to continue a little bit and ask you a little bit more about, uh, objections because when I think about what is involved in getting pensions to look at Bitcoin, there's kind of two two uh, decision making groups. You're going to have plan members and you're going to have decision makers. And I want to talk about both, but I wanted to first sort of hone in on the, on the, the ground level. I've done a lot of pension member education myself. I love it. It's a, one of my favorite parts of, of the industry and. Uh, and especially for somebody like you, you're, so you're in the hall, like if you're, if you're working with guys that you're, you're going to have people who are, I'm sure this happens to you all the time. It's like, you know, Dom's a Bitcoin guy or like, like, why are we doing this? So anytime you're going to try to introduce some kind of a change and if, if it's viewed as a risky change, uh, what are the kinds of common conversations you have with, with plan members, fellow pension members that might be concerned or curious about why you think this is such a good idea. Yeah. So, you know, let me just say that I differentiate conversations into kind of two categories. So I want to make sure I understand which one you're talking about now, regular conversations where I'm not trying to convince members to get on board. That may be one type of conversation. When I have conversations with groups and membership organizations on, on what they should do to get on what steps they should take to get off zero and get, uh, on board with Bitcoin, that's a different conversation. And so are you talking more just like 
kind of shooting, shooting the, you know, the crap around the table. Yeah. I mean, I have more fun in those situations because, um, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. And so, um, just having very open, candid conversation. I ask a lot of questions. Usually folks come to talk to me about Bitcoin. I've kind of learned better than to like go, go talk to them. Um, but, you know, I, I get a lot of people that are asking like, hey, how much should I go in on this? You know, again, the mindset of, 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 of most folks is they're looking to invest in something to get a return in dollars. Now, that doesn't necessarily line up with my investment strategy for Bitcoin because I believe that Bitcoin is um, going to become something more than that. And so I invest in Bitcoin to have Bitcoin final. There's, I always, I use this term that like my dollars have a one way ticket into Bitcoin. And I mean, I genuinely mean that. Like, that's it. Like, I don't know what else to say. My, my Bitcoin will never become dollars. And I have that control to do that. I can make that choice. Um, and so, I kind of just help them kind of see why I have that stance, why I, 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 you know, look at it that way. And then from there they ask questions, well, aren't you trying to get money? You know? And I'm like, you know, uh, no, like, like I would spend Bitcoin. I do believe in the future that people are going to accept Bitcoin more. I think that you'll see more peer to peer stuff. I think people <clears throat> would, will, will seek out Bitcoin in exchange for things like we talked about a pickup truck, right? Like I think you'll be able to get a pickup truck or a vehicle or something like that uh, for relatively small amounts of Bitcoin. That's what I believe. Um, but I'm not going to put it back to fiat because the reason I got into Bitcoin was because of issues with fiat to begin with. So why would my goal then be to get fiat? And it's just hard because a lot of people are like, yo, I want to invest a hundred thousand because I want to be a millionaire. But, you know, knowing what I know about Bitcoin and the dollar right now, if you, if you came to me with a plan to go from a hundred thousand to a million, and then your goal was to hold a million and just hold that, you know, I would be like a little concerned about like, well, what's that million going to be worth to you? What's your plan with that? Are you going to, are you buying property? That's a different story. But so a lot of people, have that mindset, that fiat mindset where like if winning to me looks like having a million dollars cash in my bank account, that means you won. And smart investors, even in money, know that that's not correct. That's a fallacy. And then a step further, Bitcoiners know that like that's inaccurate and and they're seeking Bitcoin. So there's so many directions you can go with the conversation. I just have a lot of open, candid conversation and Ask them what their concerns are, what things they've heard, what they're worried about, what their goals are. And then I tell them my outlook. And if they don't see that outlook, that's fine. I'll just share it with them. And, and um, I found some good feedback with that. Yeah, it, I, I love how you, uh, how you sort of talk about the difference between a Bitcoin mindset and a fiat mindset. And this idea, like the truck idea example is such a good example of um, – that money that you want more of, like, and we just, people are, we're just programmed to not think about it, but that money is becoming worth less all the time. Like, so we, part of the reason people want more is because 
it's just constantly worth less. And, uh, yeah, you know, I love the, uh, I love the sort of like hardcore Bitcoin, uh, sentiment because, um, I just published an article. I sent you that article of my own version of trying to explain why I think Bitcoins need pensions. And part of the weird thing about explaining Bitcoin to people who don't know a lot about it is, um, to write that article, I needed to come up with a whole bunch of conventional arguments about why, you know, why uh, it's going to be an outperforming asset or what conditions for Bitcoin price appreciation are favorable, all these things. But in my head, I'm thinking like the, the article really just needs to be one sentence. And the article I would have loved to written is every pension needs Bitcoin because unless it breaks, it's going to go up forever in dollars. And that's really the only reason if you understand Bitcoin, that that's the reason. Uh, but you you can't even really make those arguments with people until they start to first see the, the inherent problems with fiat money. Because if you start talking that way, often it's uh, it's a lot for people to digest at the start. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great approach with pensions you know another one that i that, that i'm very fond of is again as i mentioned at the start of this one of the main things for pensions that i i talk about with bitcoin is that their members deserve to have an investment that is outside of the system that hurts so many of their members like hard stop 101 like i'm sorry um I believe that hardworking members who trade their time for money deserve to have at least one thing in the portfolio that isn't subject to uh, being manipulated to where the worker loses and has to kind of like work longer years or pay more into it or the taxpayer loses. And, you know, people are always quick to point out the problems with Bitcoin. Um, A lot of times they mistake Bitcoin, as you know, for um, third party scandals, whether it's FTX, whether it's other altcoins. And one thing you can, you know, again, like if you mention this to a pension fund, they'll just change the subject. Because if you say, Hey, can we talk about how the power players in the banking system put a majority of pensions into distress during the financial collapse with real estate and all the shenanigans that was going on? There's no debate. That's not a debate. There's no like, well, no, 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 that's a fact. And so I think members should be much more demanding, um, knowing, uh, first of all, they should be educated about what happened in 0708. And then number two, they should demand that there are assets held for them that are guaranteed to not fall victim to that outcome, which Bitcoin, it, it's you will not see with 0708 the manipulation because it can't be manipulated like that. So that's a key piece. And combined with what you said, the fact that its trajectory is, you know, on a upswing that cannot be foreseen going down and that pensions can be even still early on this. And, and, and if their goal is to get returns, they can get those returns. Um, you know, they have to take a look. They're going to take a look. It's just, it's just when. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, OA crisis. Uh, you know, th- the effects were a lot different in Canada as, and for pensions too. But uh, we are coming around again, I think, with uh, 
commercial real estate. Uh, it's true in the U.S. It's definitely true in Canada. Um, 2020 changed the way shopping malls look, the way office space looks. And like a lot of these assets are assets that big funds hold. And that's for sure. And, and Scott, you have to ask yourself, if commercial real estate gets gets hammered, fundamentally, and again, I don't know, finance people probably listen to me and they go, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's cool. I, I embrace that because I'm on my own financial journey and, and like my understanding is going to evolve. But if commercial real estate is going to get beat up, who's going to take the hit on the chin on that? Is it going to be the banking system, the, the legacy finance system that maybe has shares in that? Um, but they make the rules about how the story ends and how the outcome and how that gets navigated and the regulations and, and, and like how things are marked, et cetera. Or is it going to be the people that don't make the rules like the workers that just pay into a system that then holds the asset and they can easily be left withholding the bag. I believe it's going to be the workers is the easiest. It's you take, it's easy to go, Hey, the everyone's commercial portfolio was just cut in half. Um, I'm not going to take the hit on that as the bank. We're not going to go out of business for that. Just make the workers pay more into the pension, put it on them, make them take the loss and have them work an extra two years until they're 70, have them pay extra money into it. Cause if we take that from everyone, we can restabilize this thing and kind of fix the the situation. And you see a lot of that that's already happening globally. Yeah, I think the uh, there is a, just a big the pensions are kind of a big elephant in the room as far as uh, unfunded liabilities. People are living longer, they're collecting longer, benefits indexing uh, alongside inflation, and then you throw in uh, you know turbulent markets and whatever we're headed for over the next uh, half of this decade. And uh, yeah, there, there's a perfect storm for pensions to face. Uh, and and this is kind of why I get you know beyond. Beyond uh, Bitcoin being this uh, potential to be a great performing asset, it's it's something, and I, I think you agree, right? It's something that could be the difference between a pension being able to survive and honor its commitments or not. Like like if you really understand Bitcoin and where it could go, it, it could truly be the difference between pensions surviving long enough to honor their honor their commitments that the people depend on, right? Like this is stuff. Um, for 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 a lot of people who've chosen jobs that have good pensions, it is a big part of their choice, and this is a core part of their planning for the future. So, it's a huge deal. Absolutely, I don't know if you saw. I read in the news today, the U.S. Postal Service Pension Fund has a five billion dollar shortfall. That if they don't <clears throat> come up with the money, uh, but by September thirtieth, they'll have to look at rolling back benefits. And for those that that don't remember in 2022, um, there was a big, I think 107 billion that was provided to the U.S. Postal Service as a whole um, by the by the federal government. And you know, again, you can everyone has their opinion about pensions, um, and people disagree. Oh, they get these good pensions, but everyone agrees on one thing. If you shake someone's hand and say, if you give me this, I'll give you this, that's a deal that should be honored. I don't care what people say. People may say that deal should have never been offered. But if I tell you, Scott, you can do anything in this world that you want to. You can be anything. You can you know, do whatever you want. Whether you believe that or not, you can. 
I want you to come work for my city for 30 years. I want you to work 40 hours a week or maybe more, right? We're going to have you work more. Um, I want you to help build this city. I want you to help take care of its people. I want you to help our property values go up for our city so we get a good credit rating, so we can, you know, uh, support businesses that come and build here and help people make money and get tourism and get all that stuff. And at the end of that 30 years, I'm going to give you this. To then go uh, at year 29, Scott, sorry, man, we just didn't manage things right. Like, we're not going to be able to give you that thing we told you. Everyone should believe that that is fundamentally wrong. I don't care even if you believe that pensions are wrong and people shouldn't get them. So let's debate it on that. If you're against pensions, then fine. Advocate for them not to be offered in the first place. But if, if that deal is made and a city benefited from workers that could have went into the private sector, you have to honor that deal. And so it's going to take one pension, like you said, to... To get in on Bitcoin and to be able to hold that word true to their workers and and to be able to go, yeah, you know what? We had a commercial uh, real estate uh, kind of a crisis, but do you know we did a 2% Bitcoin allocation and that's really helped us navigate this, realign our portfolio. And guess what? Our workers we shook the hands with, they're retiring at 30 years. We're, we're proud to deliver that. And by the way, come work for us because we keep our word. And if I'm looking at the world, I would like to go work for that city. I don't want to work for the city that was like, no, we're going to give you 75% of what we promised you because like people see that. And for people to think that that's not visible, it is visible. There's a reason Alaska's workforce, you know, is in a really tough spot and there's more people leaving the workforce than coming in. Um, and they, they've had a lot of, you know, challenges with their pension, the system that got decimated and, and they switched to a 401k, et cetera. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to take one Scott to kind of go, we're going to do this. And then they'll find that like that organization has a stronger workforce and they're going to have a better city, um, better reputation. And the others are going to go, dang, like, all right, I guess we have to get on that. And then they will. You mentioned uh, you mentioned two percent. I, th I think it's a, it's another really interesting thing about Bitcoin because uh, a challenge I run into all the time is uh, when the unit number on on one Bitcoin gets bigger and bigger, it gives people a lot of the impression that it's already big, and you know, like people really don't often put into context. You know, today at whatever the number is, Bitcoin's like six times smaller than Apple, the company, and this thing is like. You know, it's more Bitcoin has more in common with email, the protocol, than it does with Apple, the company. Right. It's it's in, in terms of being something that like most people on the planet might be able to use one day. So I find that um, going back to what we we're talking about, people can overestimate this possibility that Bitcoin might poof and vanish to nothing. Right. I was just showing this as you brought it up. It says, best believe I'm stacking here because I looked and there's the market cap of some of the top companies. And as you can see, Bitcoin's below Visa. I think last I checked, it was 12th. Um, just to your point, right? It's, it's not even in the top 10. Yeah. So in terms of, uh, again, back to pension funds, I think that um, I often find people find 
astronomical price targets for Bitcoin to be really absurd. Like Bitcoin's not going to 250,000. It's not, definitely not going to a million. It doesn't matter what number it is. Even though you know people wouldn't realize that if you said Bitcoin was going to go to 25,000 or 69,000 when it was $100, they would have thought you were just as insane, right? Like this is an ongoing thing with Bitcoin. And so back to that comment about 2%, uh, another thing I think that is a lot of portfolio managers are missing right now is if you get a you know a ten times return or a twenty times return on two percent of your portfolio, that's a game changing thing that's going to be going on, and it it does not only allow you to have some cushion for some other things not working out right, but it could entirely change the the performance of your whole bag of goods. Right? Yeah, you know what's so crazy. I bet you a lot of portfolio managers would would say these two statements together. They would say that Bitcoin is not going to be this this uh, thing that you know gains tremendously in value and becomes this amazing asset that changed the world. But they will say if you ask them, do you think money in fifty years will be more digital or more physical? They will say, oh, that's a no brainer. It will be more digital. So then why do you dismiss the number one digital currency, um, the most name-recognized digital currency, the original, reliable digital currency, the top brand in digital currency? Why do you dismiss that? That's, that's, a, foul, that's a mistake. That's a big mistake. Um, and if they knew it and only stopped to go, well, wait a minute, okay, for sure, money's going to be more digital. Everything's more digital. Movies are more digital. Uh, streaming services, uh, ride sharing, even though it's physical, it's digital. It's how you procure it. Um, of course, email. No one keeps a journal anymore. People write on pages or notes. Everything's becoming more digital. So if money's going to become more digital, why then will the original, most recognizable, best brand in digital money not elevate to the top? Um, answer, answer that to any portfolio manager. And if that, if there's an answer to that, why something else? Great. I'm sure they'll point to different stuff. Well, the regulator is just going to be this or that. And, and, and again, I think you can have that debate all day long and that's a good debate to have. And so if talking to a portfolio manager, I'd ask them the digital money question first. And then, and then I would ask, okay, if digital money will be the dominant exchange of money, then what will be the, the digital money used? And then let them kind of work, talk about that and go, okay, um, who the U.S. government's going to do it? I get it. I know there's talk about CBDCs, but like they're going to get 17,500 computers to all verify a decentralized network in unison um, together with no incentive, just out of the altruistic dedication to this great thing. No, I don't think so. Um so how are they going to do it? It's going to be centralized. All right, well, then it's a different form of digital money. It, you know. So then I think those are good conversations to have. Yeah, I mean, and it's like the question is, how are they planning to compete with, with a separate system that confers benefits onto the users instead of penalizing the users? You know, like I think people don't think of us all as being penalized. That's what inflation is, right? We're, we're our... Our money is, uh, when your wealth is being confiscated through the dilution of the amount of money that's available, 
um, those are not preferential terms. And there is a there is a separate system that is available to anyone who wants to use it where just by being a participant, it's it's built to be favorable to you. It's it's crazy that it took large amounts of inflation to teach everyone about inflation because inflation has existed for years. Some would argue even when there's 2% reported that that's not the accurate inflation, that it's much higher, but it took kind of this significant spotlight on inflation. A lot of it was exacerbated by the, um, you know, the polarized nature of the two-party political system in the U.S., right? That'll use weapons against each other for anything. If one party's in power and it's excessive inflation, they're going to, they're going to blow that up and then turn it back. So, um, Everyone's learning about inflation now. So you can't, you can't like the, the light's been, been shown on that. And so there's no going back. Um, and what you mentioned about that just got me thinking, like, I think a lot of portfolio managers going back to what we were saying, they underestimate the brand and the confidence in Bitcoin, even from non Bitcoiners that are watching that maybe aren't on Bitcoin yet that are like, dang, that Bitcoin that thing's reliant, man. I see them trying to kill that thing and like, wait, they keep, you know, it's still around and people are still getting it and it's still working and it's wait. Oh, it hasn't had any downtime. Um, that brand is getting stronger. And for someone to start at scratch, I don't even care who they are. There's value to that, especially when it comes to people's money and what they're willing to trade, trade their lives for. So yeah, man. I think uh, you know we were talking about offline, and this is all, the whole thing with block rewards is I want people to you know it's cool to think about a world where being able to earn Bitcoin in your workplace is a really normal thing because why would you not want your efforts, your daily efforts, rewarded with the best money we've ever had access to? Exactly. If I go, if you, if I work for you, Scott, and you say I have to work eight hours in a day. And I clock in my little ticket at eight in the morning and I check out at six hours, you're going to fire me because that's called time card theft. But if I work for eight hours and the money that you agree to pay me becomes worth less and less, you know, as, as the month is, is going on, that's cool. No problem. Sorry. You know, you worked for 20 bucks an hour and like, um, you know, prices are skyrocketing. That's okay. But if you try to come in and clock in and not work the amount of hours you said, oh, I'm going to fire you, dude, and I'm going to get that money. We'll pursue you. So workers have to, you know, I'm a big fan of unions. Some people don't, you know, they have their own um, view of unions. But I think that the accountability has to work both ways because God knows accountability exists for workers. And so workers have to hold folks accountable and um, I'm curious, you know, what's your take on um, speaking of holding employers accountable? What's your experience in people requesting um, Bitcoin as as payment, you know, in salary and things like that? Or or, or um, do you work with that um, kind of side of things as well? Yeah. And uh, it's still pretty early. You know, I think the idea scares people because of the priced in dollars being so volatile, like, uh, you know, in this last uh year, the sentiment has been bad because the price action has been bad. Um, so I think, I think more commonly is like a percent of salary. And if you think about taking 10% of your salary, it's really not that different than 
taking 10% into anything else. Uh, what I like about taking a portion of your salary in Bitcoin, if you do it after your payroll deductions, is uh, it's for savings, but you're you're actually using those for savings to buy Bitcoin instead of, you know, um, some other uh, investment vehicle. So obviously you're on the show. It's a Bitcoin show because I'm a hardcore Bitcoin myself too. And I live myself on a Bitcoin standard and I'm not trying to earn money back. But for how it is now today, you do need some dollars to probably make things work. And you, and you don't want to be uh, uh, having too much Bitcoin is, is a thing people do also need to be aware of because if you have too much Bitcoin, then that means a different number for everybody. But too much means you're you could be in a position where you're selling your Bitcoin for a lot less than you bought it for. So so it it does matter how much you can you can make work in your own lifestyle. Let me let me look that up in my dictionary. Too much Bitcoin because I never heard of that, and I don't under I don't understand the comment. But let me try to uh, I don't understand the reference. But I'll no 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 that's true, and and it's all perspective too, right? Like you said. Um, Looking, looking at most of us, when we get paid, we, I don't know about you, but when I get a paycheck, I pay my expenses pretty quickly. Like money's due. Everyone knows that, that, that check that's closer to rent. Like, you know, where that's going. Like you plan for that. Um, your, your bills are usually due around the same time as rent. And then there's expenses. And so if I were to get paid in Bitcoin, you know, the way I would do it is, of course, I'm going to make sure my expenses are paid. I'm going to make sure my living expenses for that week or two are going to be set um, if, you know, uh, to where I can still get those things. So, of course, you can consider if the dollar is facing inflation, that's going to really hit you over the year. You could go to a dollar system or you could just buy those things and do that early at the time. So you have a couple options there. And then saving what I have left in Bitcoin, now your job becomes a very efficient miner if you look at it like that. And yes, when you have price volatility, you would look at it negatively in that, okay, I'm getting paid this Friday and Bitcoin just went from 29 to 25,000. But I could also look at it like my fiat job just became a much more efficient miner. I'm now mining more. Um, using the same energy going in, which is my hours committed of work. I'm able to mine more Bitcoin. You just have to be active on it and look at it a certain way and understand the way both systems work. Um, and, and um, you know, again, look at it, it uh, not, not so much as Bitcoin and prices of dollars, but how much Bitcoin I can get. So it's all perspective and with that comes education and you just have to educate people because I can, I, I see and understand that, you know, I visited El Salvador and they sell goods for Bitcoin and I get it. I was excited to give people Bitcoin, but also explain to them like, Hey, you also, you know, you have to buy what you need to buy. You don't want to get caught in a situation where, you know, you worked hard to sell a certain amount of goods and now you can't buy your family food because Bitcoin dropped in that amount. If you need to buy food for that week, you get it or get, you know, take your chance with the dollar that it's not going to, the bottom's not going to drop out of it. But save that, get that small amount in Bitcoin because that's valuable and you're going to want to have more of that as time goes on. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about plan members. Uh, maybe just uh, let's talk a little bit about when you're, 
when you're working through decision-making bodies, talking to different pension groups, and they're going to have different kinds of objections and questions. And what are the kinds of questions um, and or objections that you you tend to get? Like, so if, if there's people in those positions that are listening, um, maybe we can help answer a few of those for them. Yeah, absolutely. So for the folks listening, if you're trying to bring Bitcoin to your organization, whether you're on a board, a union board, whether you're a member of the union, a pension board, um, you'll get a lot of the similar objections and concerns. <clears throat> and what I found is bring a model that disables as many of those concerns as possible. Don't dismiss the concerns. You know, a valuable life lesson that took me a long time to learn until uh, I got much older is <clears throat> you have a much better chance at convincing people of something if you accept their perception as true and then work to navigate like how you can avoid that fear or concern. You have a better chance at adoption if you do that than if you say, Scott, you only think that because you're not really smart. You don't, you're not, you're, you're wrong. You're you're the way you see the world is wrong. So <clears throat> we know people have a lot of misguided uh, perceptions. I don't try to dismiss those. If they think FTX is a giant scam and so is all of crypto, great. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. You think that and you believe that? That's fine. I won't even tell you that Bitcoin's different. We'll, we'll get to there. Um, if you think that you're worried because Bitcoin dropped from this all-time high to an all-time low, great. It, it did. I'll give you that. Good. Okay. Let's, let's, let's accept that, that it dropped from a high of 69 to 15 within a, this short window that you're going to look at. I'm not going to tell you to zoom out or you're wrong. You're right. Okay. Good job. Um, if you have concerns that like it just can get lost or stolen, <clears throat> let's talk about that. Let's talk about how Bitcoin can get lost, how it can get stolen. What I'm saying is, Build a model that will address those things and have good answers for those concerns. Don't don't dismiss those. And so I, I always recommend groups to bring a very small allocation forward so they can dismiss a lot of that. Right. So if you had an organization and I was like, all right, let's do 10 bucks a member and there's 100 members and let's put together a committee and we're going to start. By taking this into self-custody, which is the the way that Bitcoin was intended to be learned. But look, Scott, are you worried about losing $10 because um, Bitcoin's a giant scam and FTX collapses and people lose their money and they get stolen? How do you feel about those fears now? Well, $10, I don't care if the whole thing falls. Okay, great. Thank God. We're past those things. So you mean you're good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, great. Now let's talk about the important stuff. Um, if we would do this, how would we hold it? We hold it in self-custody. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we already have a model that our organization holds money. There's a treasurer. There's a signer of a bank account. There's a co-signer. Let's just do that, but with self-custody, and we'll do like a multi-sig thing, and I'll explain that. Okay, cool. Um, a lot of times what I found is people want to put more money, but they are un. When, when we're emotionally attached to our investments, we're unable to learn effectively. And here's a little story. When the Santa Monica firefighters ended up committing uh, a first purchase for self-custody, 
the day after the SEC filed suit against Coinbase and Binance all over the news, everywhere. The members who had put very little came in and went like, hey, not that I care about this small amount that I don't care about, but like, are things, are Bitcoins in self-custody? Does this have anything to do with us? No. Can you imagine if that was 10,000 a member and they saw that news headline and they come in and they go, Scott, what did you do, dude? I was on the phone all night last night and people are telling me we should have never gotten this Bitcoin scam. This thing is a scam. What the hell happened? And I go, Scott, Scott, relax. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to relax. You know what? I'm going to get everyone together and we're going to pull our money out of this before we lose money. Like I heard happen to my buddy who used FTX. Well, Scott, those, those aren't even the same thing. Like it, this is hold on. No, no, no. I'm not going to hold on. I'm done with this. Like I'm stressed out from a bunch of other stuff that doesn't even have to do with my money. And now this is where it's going to get channeled. I'm finished. We're out of here. I'm done. And I'm going to, we'll get, we'll get this out of here. And by the way, Scott, we don't want you working with our organization anymore. You're, you're the devil. You, you, you just about got us killed. That they're not going to be in Bitcoin for long because these kinds of things happen with a new technology all the time. Get them to a spot where they're comfortable, where they don't care about it, where they can learn and go, you know what? Wow, this is a good learning experience. Now I see why we have self-custody because who cares what happens to Coinbase or Binance? I really don't. We don't care. It has, we own this amount of Bitcoin. We have it. And these third-party people that mess stuff up all the time, they cannot change that for us. Now I'm ready to take another step. Now let's do a thousand a member because I understand, I get it, and I'm ready to take this journey. That's how you get, that's why I'm really passionate about a system of education-based, sustainable Bitcoin adoption. The other way is not sustainable because <clears throat> you know from being in the space, that you can't learn through fear and those, those organizations that they're not going to, they're not going to make it. They're not going to um, get through that. And a pension fund is just a bigger version of that. It's no different. I mean, if you get a pension fund, they put two, 2% and Scott, you're the CEO of the Ontario teachers pension. And then you see this headline of this crazy thing and people come to the office and go, Scott, not CEO for long, buddy. I, I've wanted this position. You're done, dude. You, you just lost a huge amount. Same situation is going to happen. So you have to be in that spot where you can learn, pivot, navigate, um, and, and, and learn and get through. Um, let's talk a little bit quickly about uh, Nakamoto Portfolio Gauntlet. You guys are doing some really cool things. It's a podcast where you work through... Uh, first of all, Nakamoto Portfolio is a is an online tool available to anybody who wants to go and look at um, portfolio mixes to determine the the right amount of of a Bitcoin position to have inside an asset mix. And you guys have have this podcast where you're going through and you're modeling existing pensions and finding out uh, what they should be what what they should do or what the model says. Yeah, so Nakamoto portfolio, you you got it. That's that's it exactly. Um, Hafa Zaguri, who is uh, has a lot of experience in Wall Street and and um, starting his own companies and and works now as uh, he works for for Swan um, and is like 
You ever seen Batman when when they take Batman into that little like upstairs area where they have all these cool like breakthrough technologies? That that's that's what Hoffa did with Nakamoto portfolio. He he made this awesome modeling tool, which is criminal that this thing is open source and free for anyone to use because people will pay a lot of good money for this. But you can basically input a portfolio, introduce Bitcoin, and play around with the numbers to see how Bitcoin could affect your portfolio, risk analysis, all the things that portfolio managers love to see. Um Learning about this technology, we talk about all the time, and I've talked with Greg Foss a lot on spaces about like, it's only going to take one fund to figure this out. So I kind of, you know, had this idea and connected with, with Hoffa of like, well, let's use this tool in real time, invite people on, and let's like, let's show them, let's play with it. What a great place, like a little playground to play with Bitcoin risk-free. You're not going to actually contribute any money. And on top of that, you know, Hoffa inputs this into the website, this connected to the episode. So funds that come on our show get a free pro forma, like asset evaluation on how Bitcoin could work with their, with their fund, which by the way, when Bitcoin starts skyrocketing once again, um, and, and, you know, goes through multiple cycles in the future, there are going to be members for all the pension funds out there listening that are going to say, hey, as we struggle with commercial real estate, why did you not look at this? How come you didn't look at Bitcoin? You guys didn't even look? Why? Because New York Times was running a, a hit pieces about FTX and how bad Bitcoin is. You didn't even look at it. What a win for a fund to say, hey, sorry, we, we missed this one, but we did look at it. We went on the Nakamoto gauntlet and they ran a thing for us and we were impressed and it looked great, but we did look at it. That has value to funds. And I think some funds will, will see that, oh, wait, a small allocation to Bitcoin actually doesn't raise our risk profile by all that much. And we could sustain the volatility if we plan for that. And we can capture this growing technology, which digital money is the future. There's, we're going to, Paper money will be gone. That's that's inevitable. Um, we're not going to be using pennies on Mars in 2075. No one's going to have a sack of pennies being like, I'm collecting these coins and I flew here in my spaceship and here, I'll give you these and you give me your your seeds or whatever uh, so I can plant some stuff in the in Mars. So um, that's inevitable. Uh, some of these funds are going to kind of go on there and go, all right, let's, let's, let's capture, let's capture this. Let's, let's make sure we position ourselves to benefit from this amazing thing that is Bitcoin. So that's what we try to get them on the show. Uh, we try to be very supportive. We're very supportive of the obstacles. Um, I never, we never have a pension fund or any fund come on and go, you know, you're being um, silly for not looking at this. We understand there's obstacles to investing, but you got to at least learn and give it a fair shot. And then you can come on and say, look, this looks great, but I could never pass this with my pension fund. Well, did you try? Um, no, we don't have a system. Okay, well, now you know what this is. So if you need to change some internally or not, but at least you know and took a look. So that's that's kind of what we're doing. And, and we've had um, Ontario Teachers Pension, 
which we highlight, and then we make a selection as if we were on the board. We're down like 12% on that. So we're in big trouble with the, with the members there, hypothetically, but I'm confident it will equal out. And then we had the Wisconsin retirement system with two really solid individuals, uh, Malin Mitchell, um, and, um, uh, um, uh, gosh, too much talking. Um, 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 I'm blood his secretary, uh, uh, Steve Wilding, secretary treasurer, um, who actually sits on the, the board of Wisconsin retirement system. He, they were on and they were great sports and they don't know anything about Bitcoin. And they were very upfront about that, but I think we had a great time and we had a good time learning about it. And so they may not understand everything about Bitcoin and a lot of the stuff maybe was like, Whoa, too much, but, but they at least, um, learned a couple things and, and I think have a good, um, outlook on Bitcoin based on the experience. Cool. Yeah. I, I say all the time, like there are way better Bitcoin podcasts than this one. And hopefully if you've listened to this one, you're interested to dive deeper. Uh, Nakamoto portfolio gauntlet is one that I enjoy. I, and I, I would highly recommend if you're listening to check it out. Uh, Dom, I want to ask you one more question before I let you go. You, uh, you said early at the outset when we were first talking that this was your mission. And uh, what, what is your mission? Where does this go for you? So I'm walking the path. I'm one of those people, Scott, that's like, I'm like, a, I'm all over the place. My wife will tell you, I'm like, you know, I might be selling scratch and stiff uh, stickers, you know, a week from now or something. If it's, if it's, if it's, if I enjoy it and I think it could be good for people. I don't see myself getting off this mission anytime soon. This is the most clarity I've had for something in, in a while. Um, I really enjoy talking to folks working with pensions like yourself. Um, I'm very passionate about unions and workers, organizations. I'm passionate about Bitcoin. So I started, again, this is a nonprofit because I'm committed to never making money. Somehow I'm like very gifted at not making that much money. It's a talent of mine. So why not take advantage of that talent? Start a nonprofit and the nonprofit proof of workforce. Like I will talk to any worker, union, organization, business that wants to adopt Bitcoin. And I will do the best that I can do to, to like harness resources and help them find a model that's sustainable and works for their, their pension, their system, their members, their organization. And there's no cost. That's, that's free of cost. There's no, um, you know, there's, there's no pitch. There's nothing at the end of there. So really folks just need to look in the mirror and go, Hey, there's resources and someone willing there. Um, why not take advantage of that? At least learn. And, and if we don't, go with something like that. Fine. But like, what do we have to lose on learning? So that's my mission. Um, anyone listening, I love networking. I love bringing people together. Um, I'm about to launch a website coming up soon, um, where people can kind of like tap into resources, network with each other. I'd love, you know, I have a telegram channel where like you can have someone in the union on the East coast, um, and someone on the West Coast, both trying to bring Bitcoin to their their organizations at the same time. And they can talk and go, how's it going for you? Um, man, not well. I got uh, my old old buddy. Henry is really against this Bitcoin. He's rallying everyone. Oh, I had the same thing. You know what we did? We talked to this person, did this. Oh, sweet. OK, cool. 
So I just want to see people be successful. I want to support Bitcoin actively um, um, in every way that I can. And um, this is this is my experience and this is where I feel like I can best uh, do that. And I know I've been running on, but I want to say one more thing to your listeners, if that's okay. Um, there was a time and, and we've all been there where you're in Bitcoin and you think there's so many gifted OGs in this space that have done so much. Like what could I possibly offer to Bitcoin? Like there's no use even doing something because like, what am I going to do to help Bitcoin? And that couldn't be further from the truth because Bitcoin needs, uh, because, because so much of the misunderstanding is education-based, it needs every person that believes in it and supports it to go out and find their lane on how they can impact positive education for people. So for those listening, like I always say this, that there is someone right now who is not a Bitcoiner who will positively impact Bitcoin in ways that we haven't even thought of. And they will change things tremendously for the better. And they don't even know about Bitcoin right now. And so, you know, to your listeners, I just say, you know, continue to learn about Bitcoin, um, continue to find ways that it intersects with, with groups or people that trust you or you have expertise, Scott, like you're doing with your experience with pensions. And then you, you find that zone and you just keep moving forward and, and trying to build and contribute. And you'll find that you have quite a bit to contribute, um, to Bitcoin and the people that you will positively impact who will thank you later for kind of opening their eyes to this thing. Dom, thanks for coming on, man. That's been a real pleasure. Scott, I'm happy you reached out and uh, I'm happy to, to um, keep track of your work and the stuff you're doing in this podcast. So thank you very much, brother. Right on. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Block Reward. We're trying to do something different here, creating accessible conversations meant for people who aren't obsessed with Bitcoin. If you found this episode informative and engaging, hit that subscribe button to make sure you stay updated with future episodes. Your feedback matters. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to share your reviews and help us with our goal of creating Bitcoin content that is simple and easy to understand. Bitcoin has an important role to play in the future of finance. It will change the way we save, spend, and invest. Discover why Bitcoin offers a game-changing opportunity for forward-thinking employers by visiting blockrewards.ca. BlockRewards' mission is helping Canadian employers implement strategies for integrating Bitcoin into compensation and benefits. Supercharge your recruitment and retention strategies and help your team members plan for the rising cost of living by rewarding their work with the hardest money ever invented. Special thanks to our top sponsor, Paramount Employee Benefits Consulting, Canada's only Bitcoin Forward Benefits and Pension Advisory. For more information, find them at paramountbenefits.ca. Big shout out to Podigy, our production team that makes all this possible, and BMX Escape for producing our music. Bitcoin is an expansive and dense topic many people walk away from early. To Bitcoin enthusiasts looking for that podcast they can share with friends, family, and colleagues, one they'll actually listen to, we hope that is us. The content of these conversations is meant to be provided for information purposes only. Nothing here is investment advice. Bitcoin is a big topic. Be sure to do your own research before making any personal financial decisions. Thanks for listening. 